and welcome to Sound of the Moment. I'm your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the bi-weekly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music, and more. New episodes are released every second Monday. Please subscribe to the show wherever you like to get your podcasts to remain updated. If you want to be in touch, you can find me on Twitter at Pat Cleaver. You can like the Sound of the Moment page on Facebook, or you can even email me at pat at soundofthemoment.com. This show will always be free to download and listen to, but if you do feel like helping me out uh, with the costs that I have to cover of production and file hosting, you can do that via the Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash sound of the moment, and you can make monthly or one-off donations over there. Many thanks to all of you who already helped me out in that way. This is episode number 31 for the 7th of January 2019. Before anything else, I'd like to wish you all a very happy new year. I hope everybody had a great festive season. Today, my guest is the guitarist Rainier Bass. He recently released an album with saxophonist Ben Gelder and the prestigious Metropole Orchestra. The record is called Smash Hits, and we'll start with a track from it entitled Stouter. Thank you. 
Guitarist Renia Bass is my guest today. Uh, Renia, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I always like to begin by asking my guests to introduce themselves a bit, tell people a bit about who you are, what you do, where you're from, whatever um, comes to mind. <laughs> oh, well, I'm um, a sort of do-it-yourself musician and uh, CD maker from Amsterdam. <laughs> CD maker, like a manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I play uh, jazz would be the short way of putting it. Yeah, like most of the people that are yeah. on this show, you play jazz. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're going to get into detail about uh, what uh, what the new record is. But So you just released something that's called Smash Hits. That's right. And uh, it is a record of yours and saxophonist Ben Fagelder uh, with the yeah. Metropole Orchestra. Maybe we can start by talking a bit about Ben and like your like history together because mm. you guys work together quite a bit. And yeah. So can you tell me a bit about Ben and how you guys met, what you guys... Sure, were? yeah. Um, so when Ben was about 16 or 17 years old, he was already really, really, really good at playing the saxophone. <laughs> this is true. So uh, the first thing I, I remember about Ben uh, was coming across his music on MySpace, if you remember. The oh, medium. wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Uh, he was playing a, a bunch of standards and um, I was amazed by the music, but also by the fact that um, the students at the conservatory, which I was attending in Amsterdam, were transcribing his solos in the in the canteen. <laughs> so everybody was kind of working on a 16-year-old person's saxophone solos, you yeah. know, which I thought was uh, was extraordinary. And... Uh, and so I, I'd been wanting to meet him and play with him, but he, he studied in New York at the time. Yeah. And so I didn't meet him until a few years later. And then we didn't get to play much until he moved back to, to Holland, yeah. which is around 2009, 2010. Yeah. And um, yeah, we've been playing a lot ever since in uh, a bunch of different lineups. So duo, uh, we're working on a duo record at the moment. Yeah. We play with the legendary drummer Han Benning yeah. as a trio, which has been definitely one of the highlights. Yeah. And uh, and uh, he played in my quintet with the uh, illustrious title, uh, the more socially relevant jazz music ensemble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, we got to do this this project you just mentioned with the Metropole Orchestra. So um, yeah, we've spent quite some time together musically and. Uh, yeah, too bad. He's he's an asshole. I don't I don't like him at all. But he sounds great. So yeah, yeah sometimes you've got to. <laughs> um, what do you think it is about um, you guys that matches so well musically? Because I I think instinctively I would not have like said that you guys are necessarily that similar of musicians, right? Uh -huh. So like, is that is that an unfair statement? I no, don't know if that's I agree. True. Yeah, like it, it seems like there's like. Maybe this is completely wrong because obviously you guys are, are very versatile musicians, but there's a sense of like a real like calmness and economy of yeah. of, of energy as far as Ben is concerned. Yeah. Whereas you're kind of this wild uh, like um, like more notes than you could ever like, <laughs> <laughs> and that that's not a bad thing. But let's be clear. But um, like, what? How do you feel like that matches? Uh, good question, man. Um... I think it it balances it, we balance each other out. Mm -hmm. um, 
which is something we kind of felt from the from the very beginning um so yeah like you said i'm i'm uh, a, a pretty irreverent type of player you know pretty uh <laughs> all over the place and and uh um and and ben has a lot of um sort of lyrical overview and he plays he plays much more melodic and and um is is sound is 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 one of the most important parameters um, yeah whereas with my playing it's it's probably more the rhythm and the harmony and yeah um so it balances it, we balance each other out in terms of um improvisation but also in terms of writing yeah um so he he has a very uh, minimalist approach to writing as well um mm-hmm. which is super inspiring and which is definitely a side of myself that I should develop more so that's that's been a learning experience <laughs> yeah. whereas I can I can kind of try to get the the crazy out yeah. of Ben you know no it's true it seems to work I mean I, I hear it obviously um I'm interested in how you came to that like what is as far as I like as far as I'm concerned it seems like a quite a unique like approach to the guitar um maybe that's not true maybe it's just that i'm not aware of the the where that comes from but do you like what it's definitely 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 <laughs> one of a kind yeah. no but uh, can, can you point to like how how like your sound and approach to the instrument developed so, like what is it that yeah. led you to this type of playing um there's a couple of things so so first of all i'm not necessarily um a person that listens listens exclusively to jazz music or jazz mm-hmm. guitar in particular. Yeah. Um, so I've always looked to the guitar tradition as, as a whole and not just limited to improvised music or, or jazz. So uh, a lot of the textures and, and ideas come from um, um, stuff like flamenco and, and classical guitar. And uh, yeah. I mean, Jimi Hendrix was my first love in terms of the electric yeah. guitar. Um, and, um, singer songwriters and, and it's kind of all through the, the tradition, um, of the instrument, um, Brazilian music, you know, as opposed to, um, the tradition of, of jazz per se, or, or improvised music. So, um, that's, that's the first thing I, I try to look at. Yeah, search for inspiration in, yeah. in, in no, that makes sense. the instrument. I always feel like the the guitar in jazz is. I mean, it has over the past 10, 15 years maybe like moved beyond that. But yeah. there's always been a sense of like, guys, there's so much cool stuff happening on your instrument outside of the idea exactly. of jazz. Yeah, and also it's dumb, but like just the idea of hey, you're playing a guitar that is an amplified instrument, yeah. and like there's an amp and there is the possibility of throwing a bunch of pedals in between it and yeah. like the amp becomes part of the instrument and there's a whole like unexplored aspect of that. For sure, yeah. If you're just trying to like get this like cleanish acoustic tone, like the Wes Montgomery thing or whatever. Definitely, like yeah. Um, that we, feels like an overemphasized thing. Yeah, right? we took a while to catch up, you know, <laughs> because the, the guitar is a relatively new instrument in jazz. You know? mm-hmm, yeah. And, um, so it took a while, but you're absolutely right. I just came across this guy called Blake Mills, Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've you've heard the name. No, um, he's a fantastic guitar player, and he's he's a virtuoso. He plays very little notes, and uh, he's more of a virtuoso in terms of sound and um, you know equipment and and uh, mm-hmm. texture. Um, so I think that's really cool. And he's he's the type of person that spent two weeks 
to get just the right mic and the right setup on his amp to get the right sound for a particular track, you know. Yeah. Which was a real kind of eye-opener because um, until pretty recently, I was more the kind of person that plugged in his guitar and that was kind of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely in a, an, an area that most jazz guitarists could could explore more. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like the the idea of I don't, the density that I hear in in your playing, like, is, can you point to anything specific that that pushed you in that direction? Like the there's like you say texture somehow. There's something about it that yeah. Well, there, there there's a few things. So so um, I've tried to um, put some of my ideas into a, a system. So I try to be pretty systematic when I practice, and I mm-hmm. I have my ways of trying to develop ideas into vocabulary mm-hmm. and, and most of that texture kind of dense kind of stuff is, um, is a product of, of that. So, so for example, um, I, I use a lot of open strings, which is uh, unfretted strings on the instrument, which, no. which ring very nicely and, and they produce a lot of overtones, these kind of high crisp sounds mm-hmm. um, and they're instantly recognizable. So I tried to figure out ways of, playing skills using as many open strings as possible, stuff like that. You know. <laughs> That's interesting. That's the opposite of what you get taught as a bass player. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> well, same, same, same here. You know? I guess so, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that will be one example of, of, of how, how I try to develop my own vocabulary. Um, and it's a painstaking trial and error based process and... Um, sometimes you have to throw a lot of st- stuff out the door, but um, sometimes it works out, you know, yeah. and, you, and you can generate a lot of material with, with one idea or yeah. one concept. Sure. Um, let's let's maybe talk specifically about the record. I'm sure we'll get back to like more um, more detailed stuff uh, as as the conversation moves on. But um, how did the like how did this project with the Metropole come about? Like, it's not. It's not like you can just call them up and say, "Hey, let's guys, uh, do you want to do a thing?" Right? Like how? No. Like did they approach you guys? Um, yeah. um, well, I could ask you the same the same thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's you've, true. You've been working with them, with yeah. uh, Tin Man. Right? No, this is true, but th- that's why I'm interested in why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think we were both very lucky to be able to work with them first no, absolutely. of all, because um, yeah. they're they're one of a kind orchestra you know um it's kind of a big band and symphony orchestra combination but also the the level the musicians you know i thought it was you know really cool to be able to work with them um and uh first time we did something together was during the edison awards which is a oh yeah um, they call it the dutch equivalent of the grammys but it's also equally um you know a lot smaller than the Grammys. sure Still, uh, uh, a great recognition and and uh, something I was I was really happy with. So yeah. I won I won this award called the Edison and uh, and then the Metropole Orchestra does the the award show mm-hmm. and they they uh, accompany all the 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 artists that 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 have won something. And, yeah. uh, so we got to play two songs and uh, that was great. And then. Um, the the project developed from there, so they they uh, invited me back and yeah, um, we we were able to get Ben in on the you know in on the how how would you put that in on the thing. <laughs> yeah the sure. thing with Jake yeah 
And uh, so, yeah, that, that worked out great. And it, it, the, the record was actually recorded two years ago yeah. uh, during a live show. Mm-hmm. So it took a while before we, uh, we could put it out. Um, but yeah, we're super happy how it all turned out. No, definitely. Uh, so how, how did the, um, maybe this is the most obvious question as far as working with Nooks is concerned, but how did the arranging process go? Did you have a hand in that? Like, was it, I suppose also like, how did you select the repertoire? Was it kind of, the album is called Smash Hits and yeah. it feels like <laughs> it kind of has that kind of compilation of the, the best of like you and Ben's music to a yeah, certain extent. Yeah, um, for sure, yeah. Did you, because obviously they've got a whole like, stable full of uh, arrangers over yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the wrong word, but um, like, h- how did that go about? So um, we got a short list with the names of uh, a bunch of arrangers. Mm-hmm. And then we got to do some research and, and listen to some, some stuff that they, they'd done for the, for the orchestra. And um, we were pretty, you know, it was a pretty easy decision. There, there were a couple of people that really stood out mm-hmm. that would be a perfect fit for our music. And... Uh, one of them was uh, a guy called Gerd Hermann Ortler, mm-hmm. which is an amazing arranger, but also a great composer. Uh, uh, he was born in, in Bolzano in, in South Tyrol, lives in Vienna now. Yeah. And uh, he's a character, you know, he, he dresses in a three-piece suit, no matter <laughs> the we- weather. And he has this Dali type mustache. And uh, oh, wow. he's a true artist, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and he, he had a, you know, the, a vision that was kind of a perfect fit for the music. Mm-hmm. And then there was Christian Alcesar, also um, um, the conductor yeah. of the project, who, who uh, did a great job arranging some of the music. And um, uh, a Dutch guy who was also the conductor of the jazz orchestra of the Concertgebouw, uh, a great arranger called Rob Horsting. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Someone from from uh, Canada called Daniel Jameson, great arranger, who had arranged the two pieces for the for the award show. Okay, so it yeah. was a bunch of people, uh, but yeah. we got to work together with them uh, pretty intensely, mm-hmm. um, and we had a pretty clear idea about the kind of sound that we wanted, and we we had some back and forths and yeah. suggestions, and uh, but it's it's you know it's it's a craft, it's really. Um, I tried to arrange some stuff myself, but it's very hard to imagine what it's going to sound like. And you're, you know, you're bound to make a lot of mistakes. It's, it's too much of a gamble. Yeah. So I, I ended up arranging one, one piece for just the yeah. strings. Okay. Yeah. And so how did you make, like, how do you make it so that with so many people working on a project like this, how do you make it like a unified thing in the end? Like it, it because that is how it sounds like there is... I guess also from the nature of the compositions and stuff, there's something uh, unified there. But like starting off with already just you and Ben being two different characters and then you bring in uh, all these arrangers and this stuff. It's like, a mess, man. <laughs> a complete mess. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think uh, well, first of all, the conductor had a big hand in, in this. Yeah. So Christian, um, you know, he had a very clear idea about uh, the overall sound of the project and we talked about that for 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 quite a bit. Um, so we we wanted to get certain textures out of the the orchestra um, and kind of put a spotlight on their dark side, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I think that that worked out really well, thanks to to Christian. Yeah. And um, 
And you're right, you know, it's a, it's a whole bunch of people working together and you have the, the leaders of the sections that have a certain idea about what, what the music sh should sound like. And there's the arrangers, there's the compositions and there's us as improvisers. But um, from the get-go, we kind of felt like everybody had his their noses towards the same, uh, in the yeah. same direction, you know? But can you like expand upon that idea? Like what were specifically, is that, were there some like just objectives that you were throwing out there saying that this is what we want the music to be like? Like I, one of the thing that struck me, uh, I mean, I listened to this, to the record several times. Uh, cool. And it strikes me that there's something really filmic about it. So like there's something almost film music like about certain aspects of it. Yeah. I don't know if that was a conscious decision, but like, yeah, what were the what were the guidelines? Um, they were mostly in in, in terms of uh, texture, yeah. you know. So it it would be adjective. Uh, is that the right Eject, word? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the words that would be kind of useless to to non musicians. Like uh, we wanted to sound more round. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a chef w would talk about his food. Yeah, we tried to. Uh, explain to the arrangers mostly what what kind of sound we were looking for, and um, so texture was was the main um, the main goal, you know, to get to get that parameter the way we wanted it to be. And then another um, guideline was we we wanted as much improvisation involved as possible mm -hmm. with this huge uh, ensemble, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I know you've you've been doing some interesting. Stuff yeah. with Tin Man. You know? <clears throat> I think we made them improvise more than they typically. Would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's awesome. <clears throat> that's actually an interesting point. Um, so you have been um, like in the jazz world. Like typically, we in the jazz world, in most music scenes, I suppose, uh, you tend to develop relationships with musicians over years. Yeah, and therefore. Uh, like you hear that back in the music in a sense of like comfort and um, like just awareness of each other's musicianship and stuff. Uh, whereas for a project like this, you're coming in and you're working with a bunch of people that you don't necessarily know, or yeah. if you know them, you haven't played with them before. And I guess, especially as far as a rhythm section is concerned, that's kind of an interesting phenomenon. Because yeah. obviously when we did it with Tin Men, we came in as a piano trio and it was just like, right. okay, well we play and, and, and we know each other and we can kind of, keep it together in that sense. Yeah. But you're coming in basically as two soloists and um, and working with people. Like, had you worked with some of them before? Yeah and, yeah. and how did that, like, familiarity develop? Well, so we were super lucky to have uh, Martijn Vink on drums yeah, sure. for the project, who is, who is the house drummer for for the Metropole Orchestra, but also yeah. someone I'd been working with for, for years mm -hmm. and um, one of my favorite musicians, you know, and, um, you know, we, we, we called him and asked him like, are you available on these dates? You know, just to check because <laughs> if he couldn't make it, you know, it was kind of like, shit, you know, what, what now? Yeah. Um, cause he's, he's one of the very few people who can pull something like that off. So, so play like he's improvising while, while keeping the orchestra together at, yeah. at the same time. Um, as well as having a great sound and great feel and, and understanding of the music. 
Yeah, um, and it's it's not like the music is rhythmically like it, it is really challenging rhythmically yeah. speaking, and and he just like pulls it off with that like with ease. Yeah, so well, funny uh, story, man. During this this award show, I I mentioned where we we got to play for the first time. We played this uh, tune of mine called "The Second Coming of Homunculus," which mm-hmm. is super complex rhythmically. Yeah, and uh, the orchestra they they didn't know that I'd been playing that tune with Martin for for years. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so he he got to the gig and he got the charts and he was like, kind of pretending to read them. But he 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 knew the music really well, so he he completely nailed it, you know, on the first on the first go. So that was that was really funny. I saw yeah. some some jaws drop that time, <laughs> uh, and um, he could he could probably have done that without knowing the music, by the way. But um, that was a funny funny moment. So he he was very familiar with the music, and also the the rest of the rhythm section is is you know I I hadn't played with them before, but they're they're great, you know, they can, they can play anything. Yeah, I suppose so, they play with each other enough that yeah, it works, especially yeah. if you've got that anchor point of Martin is both familiar with the musicians that they're playing with and right. with your music. Right, Um That must have been helpful, right? Yeah, it was super helpful. He knows how far he can take it with the orchestra, you know, and he doesn't yeah. make it easy for them. It's no, like, it's uh, true. And But they can, you know, they can hold their own. So he... Through his experience, he knows how much risk he can take in the music, which mm-hmm. was very helpful to make it sound more, you know, like in the moment and uh, improvised. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you recorded this over over two nights, is that right? Yeah. Um, I'm. I mean, obviously, um, I'm interested in the details about how that actually went, like what the recording process was like. Um, I suppose there's only the only way you could have done this probably was to do it live to a certain extent. Like, there's a there's a feeling of like, I suppose you could you can always do stuff in the studio, right? But it it has a quality to it that feels like it it should be on stage somehow. Yeah, um, I agree. Can you can you talk a bit about how the how the process went? Because that's also quite a uh, it's a bit of a leap of faith to be like, yeah. okay, we got two gigs, and and I mean, we don't even want to know what the budgets are to organize a gig with. Well, right. I, I don't know how much you're aware of the budgets, but I know I was at the time and, and it's terrifying to know how much money's being spent yeah. on one <laughs> gig with that orchestra. Yeah. So like it can't go wrong. Exactly. <laughs> and you've yeah. got two nights to capture this stuff. I suppose you only had two nights to capture it or, or yeah. else there were more and you just didn't do so. But um, what was that like? Um, scary, first of all. Like you said, you, can, you can't afford to mess up, you know. Yeah. Um, and but that that gives everything a lot of uh, urgency, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a pretty intense process, which I like very much, you know. And um, and so first of all, we we didn't know we were making a record, which was very helpful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's it's a different mindset, you know. Uh, we we knew that they were uh, filming it and and that they had a multi-track recording. But we didn't think about making a record at the time, so we didn't play like um, we were in the studio at all. Or, yeah, or like okay. It, it, like it, it was gonna be a, a production, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was very helpful for the process. So it's kind of loose, and there, there's a lot of risk, and sometimes that doesn't work out. But I think yeah. this time it did, and most most of the tracks are from from the same night. Okay, which yeah. was a show in Amsterdam. Yeah, I was gonna say like there's no sense of oh, and now it's the day after kind of thing. Like it, it, yeah. it feels like a unified set somehow. Yeah. Um, 
And so how quickly after you played the shows and, and, and had recorded the shows, did it become clear that you were going to make a record out of this? Uh, pretty much straight after. Okay. Yeah. Because um, we, were, we were very excited. And then it was a two-year process to, to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and everybody was very, very helpful, uh, including the producer of the Metro, Gert-Jan Blom, mm-hmm. um, who's been really... Um, one of the people that, that, you know, put his foot down for this, this project. Yeah. Uh, it's not exactly easy listening music, you know. And, no, it's uh, true. Um, so, but then it's, 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 you know, it's a huge undertaking and um, the mixing is a long process with, with yeah. uh, an ensemble this size and the mastering. And we wanted to take our time and, and do it very carefully. And then, and then we had to do a cover shoot where our, our, Respective girlfriends um, slap us <laughs> in the face for yeah. that, that. That lasted for two hours, uh, so that was a painful experience. Yeah. For and those that haven't seen it, go check out what the cover photos yeah. are for this album because yeah. it's it's very amusing, very painful. Um, yeah, slightly therapeutic for them, not not for us. <laughs> um. <laughs> but um, I suppose the next obvious question is: Is there any opportunity to for you guys to play this music live again? Like, is that going to happen? Hopefully, um, yeah, we're we're trying. You know, yeah. and they're they're trying as well because um, mm-hmm. we we were. I think they were happy to to work with us as well. I'm pretty pretty sure, and uh, so we're we're gonna try and make that happen. But, yeah, but. Um, like I said, it's 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 a large undertaking. Yeah, you, you of know course. all about this no, stuff. No, I'm aware. There. Yeah, um, because yeah, I suppose the um, so the the interesting thing is like you had an album release show, but it was a duo. It show. was a duo. Yeah, <laughs> and I was really interested. Like, I mean, I, I I wasn't free to come see you guys that night, unfortunately. But um, but it's quite it's quite interesting that like you're releasing an album that features probably what 65, 70 musicians or something, yeah. <laughs> and then. You come to a show and it's in the smallest venue you could possibly yeah, imagine, it was tiny. And, you, and and it's just two guys on stage. So how yeah. how do you translate? I mean, I suppose you don't translate the music to that format uh, to a certain extent, but like, can you like compare and contrast those two experiences, like playing <laughs> yeah. duo with with Ben versus? And there is a certain amount of duo playing on the on the record. Yeah. Um, but yeah, can you speak to that a bit? Yeah, man. Um, it was funny, you know, because because at first it was billed as as um, us with the orchestra. You know? <laughs> and it's, uh, that it's orchestra a, doesn't even fit in no, that. No, exactly. Yeah. They they wouldn't fit as an audience, let alone no. with their instruments. You know, <laughs> so it's a tiny venue in Amsterdam called the the Rode Bioscope, the Red Cinema. Yeah, and um, yeah, it fits seventy people, and mm-hmm. I think the orchestra has fifty nine strong or something, yeah. or something like that. <laughs> so that that would have been very interesting, and we were kind of hoping for people to show up, like what. Where's the orchestra? <laughs> uh, but that didn't happen. Yeah, people yeah. were smart enough to figure it out, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and so we, 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 we've been playing as a duo for much longer than, than um, playing with, with a, a large ensemble like this. Yeah. Um, so it, it, the question was really more, more the other way around. Like, how, how are we going to translate music for a duo yeah. to an orchestral setting or music for a quintet to an orchestral setting? Mm-hmm. Um, so the translation back to duo was a bit, a bit easier, yeah, because sure. um, we're we're pretty comfortable playing that way. Um, yeah. But it 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 was very helpful for me as a guitarist, as a person comping someone uh, to think more in terms of orchestral textures, and yeah, that's been like very very helpful learning experience. Yeah, 
Yeah, because I was going to say, um, like, obviously your role as a guitarist um, becomes that much bigger when you go, even just from a quintet format, which I've seen you play in quite a lot, to the duo. Like, yeah. how does that, how has that changed your playing, I suppose, and, and presumably that feeds back into the quintet playing later on. Yeah. Like, like, are there things that you can point to? Yeah, well, so first of all, when you play with a, a larger group like like the quintet or an even larger ensemble after playing duo, you're you kind of get aware of uh, um, the fact that you're the guitar player, you know, <laughs> instead of a person that's trying to make every note sound expressive and you know everything has to tell a story and yada yada. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be very functional, you know. So there there are a lot of practicalities involved, like. Um, if you play duo, you can't afford to drop the ball, as it were. If you yeah. lose the, the pulse or the feel or the tempo or the flow, you know, in general, uh, people are going to notice. So that's that's my my most important job, I think, to to keep the flow in the yeah. process and not um, not drop the ball in terms of <laughs> rhythm, tempo, feel. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 hard. I had to learn how to stretch my thumb and and you know <laughs> use extra fingers and and yeah. uh, so i tried not to use too many effects i i dislike loop stations very much you know so yeah. um mm-hmm. as a guitarist i mean i've i've heard people do amazing things with those uh, yeah. but on guitar I, I i try to figure it out um figure out ways of playing of playing the same thing without yeah. using one of those you know so that's that's an example like uh trying to make up for the lack of a bass player and a drummer because they are there for a reason, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is kind of kind of a lonely job. And then when you try and play a solo, you have to figure out a way to comp yourself. Yeah. And I use some effects that are helpful, like the freeze pedal, yeah. which is a, um, uh, an effect pedal that makes a very, very short loop, uh, which kind of holds a note like similar to the, pedal of a piano yeah exactly um, yeah it becomes a sustained thing yeah other than, yeah yeah no i always like that uh, i'm sure people have heard me say this before but i always feel like the loop station kind of imposes an aesthetic on the music to a certain extent which, uh-huh. which i find problematic at times like it's fine yeah. if you but as soon as you introduce a loop station you're making loop station music and right. that tends to be very restricting in terms of form and in yeah. terms of like um, and and there's a certain predictability about it. I mean, there will be times when you will see somebody doing what I call loop station music that that really works. Yeah, for but, sure. Yeah, uh, it does have that certain sense of okay, well, we know exactly what's going to happen because you just recorded a four bar loop, so you're going to yeah. record four or five more of those, yeah, and then yeah. you're going to improvise on top of it, and then we can all go home. Right. Um, right. And that's that is, uh, I suppose, interesting in in itself up to a certain extent. Yeah. And, and that's why I, I like to hear you say that because it's it's interesting too. Well, yeah, to to be a, a bit more nuanced, you know, it's it's a tool, you know, so it it really depends on what what you do with it. But but on a personal level, that hasn't really worked out for me exactly for the reasons you just mentioned. Yeah, because you get this layered type of uh, composition and mm-hmm. uh, or arrangement more. Yeah. And um, yeah, it becomes yeah. fixed, and it, like there's a. It's a yeah. It's an idiom that you kind of have to then try to break out of yeah. rather than fall into the trappings of it. But, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's 
Mike, moving on from the orchestra stuff, um, there's a thing that you've been doing lately, which is um, a lot of solo playing and a lot of like short video pieces. Yeah, uh, I've been seeing on Instagram, and as far as I understood, you're calling this the Minute Music uh, Project. <laughs> yeah, Can it, you... it's it's a pun. It's either minute music or okay. minute music. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. But no one, <laughs> no one got that so mm. far. So I, I should probably reconsider. You probably need to say it. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, can you can you talk about that a bit? It's yeah. kind of a cool thing. Um, so this this project, or however you want to put it, is kind of the consequence of thinking about how to use all these free platforms that are around, like uh, social media platforms and YouTube. And mm -hmm. um, so I was I was trying to figure out a way how how to use a way to use Instagram to my advantage without <laughs> having to sacrifice um, some integrity. of the, the integrity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I, 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 I started browsing and I, I noticed that there, there's a lot of great music on there. Um, but something that that's not happening that much is like people who write for the medium. Yeah. Um, so you hear a lot of, beautiful snippets from music that are a minute long, mm -hmm. but you rarely hear a composition that's, that's one minute from, from start to end. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's one thing. And then the other thing is there's a great record, um, um, by a band called the residents. Mm -hmm. I think it's called third Reich and roll. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> uh, which consists of, of about 41 minute pieces. Wow. Which I always, you know, that's been at the back of my mind for for years, um, to to try and do something similar, you know, not similar in sound or in composition, but similar in form. You yeah. Know? Um, and so I try to make one every week. I, I missed this week's uh, appointment with myself. <laughs> okay. But I try to do one every Friday, which is kind of uh, uh, a good way to keep things uh, flowing. You know? Yeah. And then. Um, for everyone that composes music uh, or does anything creative, you know, it's it's a familiar um, fact that um, deadlines help. Yeah, you know? no, absolutely, <laughs> it's true. Um, no, it's it's very cool. Like it hadn't occurred to me that that was one of the points, but the idea that the Instagram format limiting to you limiting you to a one minute thing, right? Like there's a parallel to like really old school technology, right? Like like if you all right. the great jazz like the, records that we listen like to singles, like on yeah. vinyl and stuff yeah. it's like well this is how much tape we've got so yeah. you'd better keep your short like your solos short and yeah, make yeah. sure that it fits in this amount of time because this is how much space we can we have in this medium exactly and that's something yeah. we've lost now because we can release like 12 hour albums if we want yeah. to and people can download them in yeah, like half a minute who's gonna listen to them well you know? it's true um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's interesting like that that is a new and I suppose maybe that is that is a parallel to the idea of like people's attention spans being yeah. um, being shorter. And I, I hate that discussion because I I don't know how real that thing is. It feels like I don't know old people's yeah, like complaint of like oh young people very well be yeah. Um, but that's that's quite cool. Um, but I, I do like the term infobesitas. Mm -hmm. You heard that one? I have not. No. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's some some truth in that. The the you know. Um, the market is pretty saturated in terms of uh, output. You yeah. know, there's so many 
recordings being put out and video material and, and stuff like that. Um, so I'm, you know, it's, it's a pickle. I'm mm-hmm. still trying to figure, figure it out. Sure. But so can you, can you talk a bit about like what, what making one minute pieces is like, like how do you, um, surely that is a completely different compositional process and a completely different like, yeah. performative process to re- to be in that like short amount of time to tell a story that is somewhat structured or yeah. like how has that changed? And presumably also if you're going to make 40 of these or whatever, exactly. then yeah. <laughs> like how do you make sure that last week's one is like sufficiently different from the exactly. one that was a month yeah. ago? Than well, from, that's like, exactly the, the type of uh, problem you, you encounter. Yeah, so... There are not many forms that work within one minute. Mm-hmm. And um, so far, I've been able to put in um, two ideas into one minute at most, like a binary type of structure. Okay. And I've, I've, I've been trying to write a rondo form, which is um, same as in, in poetry, like A, B, A, C, A, D, yeah. A, for example. Mm-hmm. So you have one theme and then something else, same theme as the first, something else, first theme, something else, and then first theme. Yeah. Uh, but a minute is so far has been too short to to uh, fit it in, you know. So okay. that's interesting. I've I've managed to write uh, a little sonata, so that works because it's sort of sort of binary with a little development section. Yeah, and um, um, it's really hard to to uh, find variation in terms of form, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the first challenge. Uh, but then. Um, you can have uh, compositions that are based on texture and they can last a minute and mm-hmm. still be interesting. So it's it's been um, kind of a, a trial and error based process in terms of uh, textures and, and sounds um, and techniques on the guitar um, that wouldn't wouldn't be sufficiently interesting to keep a you know a six or seven minute composition going, but but if they last for a minute. They're, they're kind of cool. You yeah. Know? Um, so there's there's all these, you know, all the parameters of music, they, they get a different priority, you know? So the, the form becomes more important because it has to be a little story. It's like a short story, you know? Mm-hmm. And the texture becomes more important. And harmony becomes less important because you don't have enough time to have like a huge cadence or development yeah. section or this kind of coming home feeling... Yeah. on which which classical music is based you know yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah it's a, it's an interesting process yeah and so how are you eventually going to structure like and obviously this is not something that you've done yet but i i, I wonder if there's already an idea behind that like eventually when you're going if and when you're going to put this out as a like collection yeah first of all like is it cheating to like decide that 10 of them kind of go together to a certain extent. Right, uh, like, right. Because then is, <laughs> it, is it just a 10-minute piece yeah, with, yeah. with like yeah. pauses in between for the medium? Or like yeah. how does that... That's a very good question. Uh, that's something I'm, I'm struggling with. But but there's there's a, a plan to release this as, as a record mm-hmm. um, in uh, March of 2020. Okay. So yeah. I'm giving myself some time. People can look forward to that, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's going to be... Um, um, different lineups um some stuff is going to involve barrel organ and um oh, cool most most of the stuff is guitar based yeah. but uh, also some band stuff and some string stuff and yeah um and a little sweet so you're you, you know uh <laughs> there's there's five pieces that fit together which is kind of cheating for sure 
Um, but then again, I suppose usually people write a suite and it becomes a 40 minute album. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so if you write a suite and it's four minutes long, that's also yeah. like an innovative form yeah. of suite. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I might put those, those tracks apart on the, on the yeah. record, you know, we'll, we'll see, but you're, you're absolutely right. That's, yeah. that's one of the big questions. Have you, have you spoken to, I, I mean, I heard you say the word barrel organ. Have you spoken to uh -huh. Ram uh, Stathalus about no. that thing? Because I'm sure he has some pointers for you. Oh, cool. Uh, and obviously playing guitar and barrel organ is his speciality right, nowadays, right. I suppose. Yeah. Um, so that, that there might be something to explore there. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let him know for sure. Also, I'm going to um, try to hire one of these old dry orgels. You yeah, know, exactly. Like that, uh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, the big one. Yeah, but that's pretty much what he did, right? Like yeah. he has oh, this he did huge. That? Yeah, yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no. There is there is one organ that is uh, that is triggerable by MIDI. Oh fuck, that's and so cool. And so uh, you can basically just feed it whatever you want, and it'll play it for you. So cool, I'm sure man. he has a phone number for you if you want to write awesome. for barrel organ. Yeah, I've been um, looking into it. Actually, I want to make one of these old you can uh, print books. Yeah. You know? Yeah, of course. That'd be so cool. That's even more exciting. Yeah, uh, and uh, like. Uh, a little sweet for the city of Amsterdam, you yeah, because uh, it's such a traditional instrument. But most of the music that they play on the streets is is pretty pretty awful. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say take <laughs> take back control of that. Yeah. Uh, I always like there's there's a time of year. I'm not sure when it is, but I guess it must be some sort of, kind of a festival moment when they're all out in the streets and oh, cool. there's one every couple hundred meters. And it's problem because there is no like distance between two barrel organs that's far enough <laughs> for you to not be able to hear both yeah. of them at the same time. Yeah. And when you've got so cool, 12 man. of them in the same like small oh, area of the city, it, sounds it makes, awesome. <laughs> it sounds awesome and, and terrible all at the same time. Yeah. And, yeah. and to, to, to be clear, I, 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 I don't, assume I can, I can do any better, you know, in terms of writing music, <laughs> but <laughs> at least it'll be, it'll be different. Yeah. No, it's true. Uh, the, uh, it's, it, it's interesting. Uh, It'll be an experiment. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a thing that is, uh, that I feel like is a through line in, uh, in your music and that I, w I do want to touch upon, which is the idea of humor. Um, and humor, whether, you say? I say humor, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like whether it is in the titles of your tunes or whether it's in the names of your projects or even like the ways in which your projects manifest in some cases. Mm. Um, It, has that always been something that you just thought this is part of what I do or it, like how is there yeah. any thought behind that? <laughs> Good question. Uh, yes and no. Um, it's sort of one of those I've been trying to not do it but that I haven't succeeded. Um, okay. I've been trying to grow up, you know. Uh, <laughs> but um, in terms of album covers and, and titles, there's definitely some, some thought about that. And that kind of got started, um, about 10 years ago when I, when I was still in my uh, sort of postmodern phase and, um, there was a lot of irony involved and, and, uh, um, kind of a protest against a lot of the records that came out at the time, which had like a person with his instrument sitting on a, on a staircase in front of an exposed brick wall. Yeah. And, or staring uh, off into the distance. Yeah, called like the the, the 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 I don't know the the, the Bobby Green trio. Yeah, and uh, the album title would be something like uh, um, something involving either the moon or the sun yeah. or, or um, New York. <laughs> and I, I should point out that 
in most cases, all those tunes start off being called sketch number one, yeah. sketch number two. Well, there you go. And then when you're going to print them, you decide that they're called yeah. like a rainbow, whatever yeah. the fuck. <laughs> um, and, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting um, thing, you know, the, the the difference between what a jazz record typically looks like and, and say, an uh, indie record or a hip-hop record or an electro record. Yeah. Um, and it's always been funny to me that it's so, um, that style and genre is so divisive in, in the way it's being presented. Mm-hmm. And um, we've always been trying to appeal to a slightly um, different audience in addition to, to the jazz audience that's there already, you know, yeah, which, is, sure. which is a great crowd, don't get me wrong. Um, but, but it has, um, I think it's changing a little now, but, but jazz has an, uh, an image problem. In oh it. I yeah, don't know that's if you for agree. sure. <laughs> Absolutely. No, there's no doubt whatsoever, um, about that. So people have a lot of associations with that word mm-hmm. and what the music means and what it stands for. Yeah. Um, and, and usually it's pretty far from, from the truth. Um, if you ask a, uh, a passerby in the, on the street, like name a couple of things that you associate with jazz, <laughs> you get a, a pretty, yeah, it's like Frank yeah. Sinatra and the smoky basement and, uh, um, uh, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, um, no, it's, it's, it's true. Um, so and, this, this irreverent kind of, kind of way of presenting our music was, was part of our little postmodern protest against this this type of thing yeah uh but then it it kind of developed into a a sort of a style characteristic you know yeah Uh, and um yeah like i said i've been trying to have a very serious album cover but it it hasn't worked out so far (laughs) (laughs) it'll happen eventually i'm sure let's see um Cool. Uh, can you, before we, we round off this conversation, there is, there is one other thing that I want to touch upon, which is that you've, you've started teaching at the conservatory yeah. um, recently. And uh, I was wondering if, yeah, if you'd like to speak a bit to that, like what this, what has that been like, like going back to school, but in like oh, uh, different yeah. uh, circumstances and. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, very excited about it. Um, it's definitely um been a dream of mine to teach there mm-hmm. um and i couldn't think of a a cooler place to to go off to work to you know yeah no for um, sure and i uh i don't teach a lot i i, I teach like one one day a week mm-hmm. about 6 hours yeah um and i'm i'm very happy with with the way that these things balance out right now in terms of uh, writing music performing and and teaching Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's very helpful to put things into perspective for yourself as well, make things concrete and to be able to verbalize your, your thoughts on, on music, you know, that, that helps you as an artist as yeah. well. Uh, and then it's kind of a big responsibility, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, to help people achieve their, their goals in, in quite a short amount of time, which the bachelor studies is the program is four years yeah, yeah, in which people have to, you know, master their instrument and start to think about what they want to do as an artist and yeah. how they're going to approach the business side of things and learn about the history and yeah. the weird training and, and technique and yada, 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 <laughs> you know, it's a lot of stuff. 
No, for sure. Um, so it, it, it involves careful planning and trying to yeah. inspire them. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's very challenging. I'm, I'm very happy about it. Yeah. Is that like, is there stuff that you can point to that you feel have changed in that system since you were there as a student? Mm-hmm. Or, and, and also, I suppose, like, are there trends in the new generation of students that you think are like, like upcoming, like new things? Like, what, what are the things that people should be looking forward to, I suppose? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd be interested to, to know how, how you think about that, you know? I don't teach there, so I, well, <laughs> I wouldn't enough. pretend to 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 know. But um. but you're 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 familiar with the younger generation. No, sure, it's, yeah. They're they're very different in in a lot of aspects. Yeah. And, um, so first of all, the technique is is changing. You know, at such a fast pace, it's it's hard to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and these these people are on average they're about. 10 to 12 years younger than I am, which is not, not a lot. Yeah, it's not but, enough. But in, <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, but in terms of technique, you know, it's such a huge, huge difference because they've been, everything's been available to them with, with the touch of a button, you yeah. know, ever yeah. since they grew up uh, and started listening to this music. Yeah. So they have such a vast knowledge of the repertoire and of um, the canon and... and um, um, they're, you know, able to listen to to so many different kinds of music, um, and and they're technically proficient at at a younger and younger age. You know, mm-hmm. it's like eighteen year olds that can play giant steps backwards. You know, yeah. And um, let alone this this kid Joey Alexander. You know, he's yeah, eleven no, years sure. old. Yeah. When well, he we did <laughs> we did start this conversation by saying that people were transcribing Ben when he was well, fifteen yeah. or sixteen years well, old. There so, you go. Fair enough. So, but he he grew up in a jazz record store. It's true. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> which is which is kind of uh, <laughs> it's the old uncommon. school equivalent yeah. of Spotify, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, but it's interesting. So so first of all, the technique has a big influence on 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 the difference between. Our generation, I would say, mm-hmm. and and the one after, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's also like a clearer sense of the possibilities of do-it-yourself culture now. Yeah, like maybe that's a weird thing to say, but it, 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 I get the sense that like it used to be the case that um, there was much more barriers to entry to cert- yeah. for certain things, whereas now, you know, people can be making records already when they, as soon as they, they get into school, everybody yeah. understands a bit about the mixing process and recording and all these things. Right. And, and indeed the necessity for self-promotion, like something like your explorations of Instagram is feels like it's something that is very much of the moment and that students are somewhat aware of that, that as a possibility somehow. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, so people, yeah, people have free platforms now, which is crazy. You know, yeah. it's it's amazing. Um, yeah, we used to have MySpace. <laughs> yeah, we used to have MySpace. That's right. Yeah, and then and then the generation before us, you know, if they didn't have like a record deal, yeah, people wouldn't hear their music. Yeah, yeah. Um, if they weren't, you know, on the radio or uh, anything like that. Um, so that's that's super interesting, and that kind of has two sides to it. To it. Mm-hmm. As far as I can see, you know, like on the one hand, it's really amazing to be able to um, give your music a platform like that. On the other hand, people have to do so much at this at the same time that they're kind of stretching their, themselves too thin. Yeah, you know, um, 
And so, for example, um, our, our generation would listen to a record 400 times, you yeah, know? Sure. And they'll listen to 400 records once. Yeah, you know? exactly. Which is, yeah. which is a very different approach. And I'm, I'm not saying one is yeah. better than the other, but yeah, I'm yeah. just very interested to see where, where all this is going to yeah. gonna lead us. Yeah, I wonder if we're losing that. Again, I feel like I'm going to sound like an old man right now. But <laughs> I, I wonder, was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> if we're going to, if we're kind of losing that, like, period of innocence to a certain extent mm. where you're in school and all you do is music and like just the abstract idea of music is enough to drive you for four six years however long you yeah. study whereas nowadays they already all have a sense of oh but i should also be like getting a youtube following and i should also right. be like doing uh, like making projects and printing yeah. flyers and and booking gigs and whatever yeah. um I don't know. We'll we'll have to see, like in the long run, how how those things are going to. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, you know many changes, and also promoters expect you to promote your own shows. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. And at the same time, you are being told by the previous generation that you need to not ruin everything for everyone by playing for fifty bucks well, everywhere. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so it's a difficult thing. The, I suppose, mo the money problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I suppose there's there's a parallel also to be seen between like when jazz education changed from you play your ass off until our Blakey notices you and he takes you right, on tour and right. then on stage you get to learn how to play. Yeah. And and now there is basically no such thing as that. I mean, there's probably four or five band leaders in the world that can still be like, you there, kid, come, yeah. I'm going to tell you how you play the changes to whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and besides that, it's just you go to an institution and yeah. there's, there's probably a switch happening there as well. Um, For sure, I suppose. yeah. Um, is there uh, before we before we end this conversation? Is there any other stuff that we haven't mentioned? Any work as a sideman that you're up to? Oh, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's tons of things you're busy with. But <laughs> anything people should go check out? Um, oh, um, well, I'm 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 a, I'm starting a new band with uh, one of your fellow countrymen, uh, Kid Downs. Oh, very cool. And, yeah. Um, with Jonas Burkwinkel on drums, and Kit is a great organ player. But, yeah. Uh, um, but he he plays everything that has keys, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and so I'm I'm excited about that. We're gonna do our uh, our first little gig in Amsterdam in in January, I think, or early February. Okay, great. Um, at the Bim House. Yeah. And uh, at the cafe. Mm -hmm. And Kit's gonna be playing the Hammond and uh, Jonas Burkwinkel playing the drums and. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would I would urge people to check out Kit's solo record. Yeah, on definitely. ECM. Yeah. Um, it has this beautiful word as a title, but it eludes me at the moment. Um, yeah, I also uh, don't. Um, uh, it's not oblique, but it's 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 something something of that. Yeah, ilk. I'm sure people will find <laughs> it. Um, it's solo church organ, and um, yeah, it's it's incredibly pretty. Yeah. Cool. I, I suppose that already kind of serves as a recommendation, but, um, uh -huh. but I, I suppose uh, maybe if there's anything else, I like to end the conversation by asking people if there's something that they think people should check out. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be your upcoming Sidemen's uh, records, yeah. but it could be. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else that comes to mind that you think people should go... Tin Man and a Telephone. <laughs> well, okay, well, the, yeah. Seriously. That's a bit self-serving <laughs> for me, but... Um, 
But fair and, enough. Um, no, I mean, um, there's kind of a group of people in and around Amsterdam nowadays that I'm, I'm, uh, um, you know, very, very excited about. Um, and um, yeah, there's a there's a bass clarinet player called Joris Rulofs. Yeah, he has been on the show. He's already, been on the show talking about yeah. his uh, duo with Han. Yeah, well, um, I was gonna mention that that record. Yeah, yeah. With, with the Han Benink. Sure. Uh, the drummer we mentioned before, legendary. I think he's 76 years old now, yeah. but he, he looks like uh, 31. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> acts like 12 and or something. Like <laughs> uh, he's, he's, you know, a very, very inspiring person. And, and this duo record is, is definitely something I would I would uh, check out. It's on vinyl also. Yeah. And it's called Icarus. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you always spoke really eloquently about it, so if people want to check out uh, that conversation, it is in the awesome. archives of this show. Uh, Lenya, thanks so much Thank uh, you, for being on the show. And, uh, thanks for having me. Hopefully you'll be back to talk about whatever your next thing is. It sounds like you're going to be very busy for years to come. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Ben. Once again, Lenya Bass, you'll hear more of his music in just a moment. Many thanks to my fellow members of Keichu for providing the intro and outro music for this show. Please subscribe to Sound of the Moment wherever it is that you like to get your podcasts. Leave a favorable review or star rating in iTunes. That really is very helpful to gain new listeners and a bit of attention. If you know anybody who would be interested in listening to this kind of content, please let them know. Word of mouth is also a very helpful way to grow the listenership. Go to patreon.com slash sound of the moment if you'd like to make a monthly or one-off donation to help me keep this show up and running. If you would like to reach me, you can do that via Twitter at Pat Cleaver. You can do it on Facebook via the Sound of the Moment page, or you can email me at pat at soundofthemoment.com. Let's end today's show with another piece of music from Lenya Bass. This is one of his minute music pieces or minute music pieces as we found out during the interview. It's entitled Filter and he described it to me as an improvisation for guitar, coffee filter and sympathetic piano strings. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Sound of the Moment. Thank you.
Thank you.